There are certain moments and words that shaped a new era in pro wrestling. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Brett screwed Brett. Die, Rocky, die. Suck it! Introducing the Book of Wrestling, 25 catchphrases that explain the Attitude Era. Tune in as we relive one of the most exciting, intense, and over-the-top times in WWE with new interviews with the voices that made the promos, calls, and catchphrases into history. Listen now. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by USAA Homeowners Insurance. USAA has homeowners insurance that could lead the league in assists. Serving our military veterans and their eligible family members, USAA delivers award-winning service and peace of mind. And if you file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. And joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concer, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Cannabis, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin Verno. What's going on this Tuesday morning, my friend? Well, since we last spoke, we have had a lot of playoff basketball. It has been wall-to-wall, and we had three games last night. We're going to go through those. I think... You know, I wondered what was going to be on top of mind when I woke up this morning. And it's possibly because it was the last game of the night. I'm sure that's what it was. But the fact that the Warriors made everybody remember what the Warriors looked like at their apex was certainly something that was top of mind (laughs) this morning. Um I think that that is one of the early series revelations from every basketball fan. We wondered if Clay and Curry and Draymond, if it was just going to be like riding a bike. They had only performed in a minimal amount of games, minimal amount of minutes together this season, and now they've got some different ancillary parts. And part of it is that they can clearly overwhelm the opponent they have in the first round. But I think it would be a mistake to just say, yeah, that's because Denver stinks because that Warriors team, there were long stretches where they looked absolutely devastating last night, like the old school Warriors once did. 
the Warriors are all the way back. It's as simple as that. And that we saw flashes of it throughout the season through two games against Denver. They have proven to be uh, the old version of themselves in a new way. Everybody has seen the new death lineup. You know, the lineup that used to be Steph, Clay, and Draymond with Iguodala and Barnes eventually became with Kevin Durant, the Hamptons Five. And now we have this new version that everybody's talking about the new name, calling them the Fast Five, Pool Party. It doesn't matter what you want to call them. This lineup is for real. In the 11 minutes they've played, they're outscoring the Nuggets by 29 points. They're outscoring by Denver by 29 points in only 11 minutes with a 204 offensive rating, a 75 defensive rating. It's absurd what that new lineup with Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins is doing with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. And the real key to that, though, is two things. We saw it in last night's game. Number one, Draymond Green playing like the best defender on the planet. What he's done, done against Jokic with his toughness. Like, Jokic plows through people on the post. And Draymond doesn't move. Draymond's bothering him with his long arms, getting in his face, getting him ejected from games because Jokic is so pissed off, so fed up, he can't get anything going. And single coverage against Draymond. And the other side of it is Jordan Poole. 29 points and 30 points for the first two games, doing everything Steph and Clay, Clay do, running off screens and handoffs, doing it off the dribble as well. He had that step back three in the corner and last night's game where it's just like, why do they have another guy that could do this? And here we are with the Warriors where they have a young 22-year-old player on the up and up who averaged 25 points over his last 20 games of the season and should have been a finisher, a finalist in the top three for most improved player. Second on my ballot behind Tyrese Maxey. I don't know how either of those guys didn't make it, but they didn't. It doesn't matter though. It's just an award. It doesn't matter. Pools for real. Draymond's for real. Steph and Clay are back. The Warriors are back. And I'm having a lot of fun watching them. It's like I told you a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about those awards. I said, Kevin, I couldn't tell you who's won most improved players. And you went through the list. You know what I can tell you? Guys that have had 29 points in playoff games that, you know, took over the screen for portions of time. And, you know, two things. Really, because those games were back-to-back. You saw the Utah-Dallas game and then that one. and. One of the things that I was left with is there's Brinks trucks that have already been called for Brunson and Poole. This is a time where you can make yourself an absolute fortune with great performances. And we saw two of those with guys that are their next contracts are going to be very, very hefty contracts and something that both of those franchises are going to have to think about long and hard. Um, The second thing is both of those teams do play traditional big guys who are great players in Gobert and Jokic, all right? And these small lineups are very, very troubling. Like They make, they put so much pressure on you if you are going to play that way. And in the Jokic case, I thought it was interesting. I was listening to... Raja Bell, I wanted to hear what he had to say about this because they recorded late last night, just his thoughts. And one of the things that he said was, he said, and, and I'm sure Malone will get to this, he said, I know Draymond's great, but there were way too many possessions where you're getting Jokic the ball at the three-point line, and they need to be getting him the ball at the free throw line, free throw line extended, or down low. Just pummel you, you just constantly yeah, go you at got him. Yeah, you got to, because you're playing right into the fact that they're small. 
There was you know, a lot of settling. There you're certainly letting, was. Yeah. You're letting them be small. You have to take advantage of that size. And if that means, I know he's a great defender, but trying to get some fouls on him, passing out of the double team, and then getting the ball working around the perimeter, like he has to be your massive advantage. And in too many cases, they're not making him the advantage because they're playing into that small lineup. And it's just, it's very, very difficult, right? Like that's the, that's the deal. When teams go small, if you cannot punish them for being small, then you got a real problem on your hands, you know? And the, the thing about that, Chris, is Jokic has posted up 29 times through two games. The Warriors have doubled according to second spectrum only four times. Right. Uh, they're just not doubling that often because with Draymond, you, you can do the single coverage and you can get by. Like there was the one possession. I forget if it was, I think it was the second half. And Jokic did get the ball around the elbows and he backed down. Boom, boom. Draymond absorbing that hit, yep. not moving more than a foot back. Jokic isn't even inside the, inside the restricted area, which is where he gets to a lot of the time for his layups and turning into such a tough kind of hook shot opportunity instead of a layup. And, that's just the difference with what Draymond's doing. He's only, you know, 6'6", six, six, whatever his actual height is, but he plays like a guy who has the strength and the length of a seven-footer. So, I mean, like, posting up is easier said than done, but I'm not so sure it's going to make the Warriors start double-teaming you all of a sudden. That's the challenge here in the series for Denver is, can Jokic beat Draymond in single coverage? And thus far, Dr- Draymond has held him to a, you know, it's not like he's shutting him down. You don't shut right. down Jokic, but he's limiting his efficiency from all-time great to closer to average. Yeah, and, and we know it's the only chance they have oh, yeah. is Jokic be. being an absolute supernova. 100%. 100%. You're going to get like 45 points per game from Jokic to win this series. That's yeah. how deep the Warriors are with all the, the talent they have on offense. Yeah, and and to your point about the you know, Draymond and his height, but playing bigger, it's it's just been a thing throughout his career. And, yeah. and one of the major reasons why is he has the wingspan of a seven-footer. And so sometimes with these players, height can be deceiving because they have wingspans of players that are much taller than them. And therefore, they they end up being you know, functionally as tall, you know, because they, they they have these Frico wingspans and Draymond's been one of those guys since the day he was drafted. Um, you see this with some guards and you figure like, wow, why is this guy such an outstanding defender? Um, sometimes the guys that can play bigger than their listed height in most cases are guys that have these freaky wingspans. And he's one of those dudes. And he's, look, I think we all know he would have run away with that defensive player of the year if he would have been able to stay healthy the entire year. Oh, yeah. But but playoff Draymond is even a different deal, and you can't let him be such a massive advantage. The fact that they you can get away with playing him at center, you know, is something that makes it very, very, very difficult because you're dead. It, if you're gonna not, if you're not gonna punish them. For having him at center, then I mean, you're, you're dead. You you're dead. You're yeah, dead. You're absolutely. You you have to. You have to force the Warriors to put Looney out there for more minutes. You have. Yeah. You just have to do it. 
And you have to force them to be in a position where they feel like they need more size or to at least double because, you know, when they, it, we talked about their new death lineup earlier, that's, it's not like that's the only combination they go to. They have their configurations with Otto Porter or Bielitsa. Right. They have so many different combinations that are death for your defense. So many of I them. Know. And like just watching the way, like Jordan, I just can't get over Jordan Poole doing all the same things Stephen, uh, Stephen Clay do. Like, isn't it crazy to watch him at 22 years old whipping around screens, hitting corner threes, stepping back? Isn't it wild, Chris? Well, 22 I, years old. You could probably go back to the beginning of this year, and I told an anecdote about how in L.A. throughout the summer, I knew some guys that were there while Clay was working out throughout the summer, and the other guy working out with Thompson all summer long. Jordan Poole was Jordan Poole. And mm -hmm. they were telling me this guy, this is when like all the like Brad Beal stuff was out there and other stuff was out there. And I was being told that Poole, like in these workouts, this guy's shot for shot with Clay. And I'm thinking to myself, good grief. Any, anybody that's going shot for shot with Clay, <laughs> you've got to be, you got to be dead eyed because it, we're talking about one of the best shooters to ever walk the face of the earth. And, you know, he, I think you can see a lot of the working out with Clay throughout the summer, and you see a lot of the same stuff that makes Clay so fantastic. You see a lot of that happening with Poole, and player development has been just off the charts with him. You know, uh, you got to give them real credit. Because it's one thing to, you know, it was a surprise when they drafted him. Everybody thought that was a reach when they drafted him. But they have taken the time and they have developed this guy and they've stuck with him. And now this guy is going to make an absolute fortune in his next contract. A fortune. And, and, you, say, and you say reach at, at 28. Like he goes 28th in the 2019 draft. Right. And there were people who did think he was a reach or particularly a reach for the Warriors because at Michigan, Poole was kind of like that, you know, he was a shot maker, more J.R. Smith style, you know, a spark plug off your bench. Somebody took a lot of shots that maybe make, made your coach angry, you know, out of the rhythm of the offense. The shot yep. selection just wasn't good. The defensive intensity wasn't good. And then he goes to Golden State and he's with all these stars and has all these culture, but the first two seasons of his career are weird still because the first one, 2019-20, gets cut short with the pandemic, the way the season was paused. Second one, you know, he's in the G League half the time. Steph, and Steph, Clay, and Draymond are missing time in both of those seasons. This is his first year really playing with those guys with any consistency and getting consistent run. And he's turned into this guy that he has. And I, I, I just, I think about a guy like him because I had him ranked like in the 40s. What an idiot. You know, like what, how stupid are we all? Like for him to fall to number 28, and now to look like the steal of the 2019 draft, the five guys drafted ahead of him, Chris, Darius Baisley to the Thunder, Ty Jerome to the Suns, Nasir Little to the Blazers, Dylan Winder Windler to the Cavs, Fiondu Cabangeli to the Clippers. Now those teams, those are smart teams. Thunder, Suns, Blazers, Cavs, Clippers. If you take those five teams, like their draft record is pretty strong over the last three, four years or so. It's pretty good. Yep. But they missed on Jordan Poole. And yet, Poole on any of those five teams, maybe he's not doing what he would be doing for the Warriors because nobody does what the Warriors does. He landed in a situation that had like the opposite style of 
who he was. And they've met somewhere in the middle to create something beautiful. Like it's it's amazing just to see the way he's adapted his game to be more like Steph and Clay and to flourish in the way that he has. And it propels the Warriors up to a higher level that has them, you know, maybe not arguably the championship favorite in the West, but they're right there next to Phoenix because of where Draymond is defensively and where Poole is going offensively. Like that I can't I can't say enough what Poole's development does for their championship odds. It's major. It's interesting because it becomes somewhat of a theme throughout this because as soon as you were saying, you were like, what an idiot I am for having him yeah. ranked. I mean, well, guess what, Kevin? You had him ranked where a lot of a NBA lot of teams did, yep. right? And so but what I'm saying is a common theme is I'm hearing this a lot. You hear it about Maxi. You're hear, You're going to hear it about Jalen Brunson. You're going to hear it about, like, last night in as we pivot to that, Mavs and Utah game, set Donovan Mitchell aside, almost everybody that is contributing in that game is either late first round, second round, or undrafted. In a playoff game. In a playoff game. Between Dallas and Utah. And so we could go through it and say, how did we miss on every single one of these guys? But it is becoming a common theme that you are having a lot of guys and I think part of it is, I, I think part of it is, you know, talent evaluation has changed over the years. Um, and I think the other thing is that when you are drafted and not, not necessarily, I, I can't speak to the second round guys, the undrafted guys, but in, in the undrafted situation, undrafted guys that are going to good situations end up having a much better chance, right? A, yeah. a good culture or a good development or whatever else. Guess what else that's true of? Late first-round picks. Guess who's got late first-round picks? Good teams. Yep. Right? 100%. So not, right? It, it, it could be a blessing to, yeah. to fall on the draft. So it can. part of it is, yes, a miss on talent evaluation possibly, but I would argue it's not always a miss on talent evaluation as much as it is, look at the situation that said player got to go to, got to learn from. He's playing for a good coach. He's playing with good players. He's playing in games that matter. He's got a good shooting coach and player development staff. And so maybe the guys that are drafted at sixth, they got drafted by some Marabon franchise. If that guy would have gone 28th, Maybe his career is different. You know what I'm saying? I almost think that it's not just everybody misses on guys. I think we talk so many times about guys and their opportunity and their fit when they go to a place. And then when it comes to the draft, we just act like, why didn't this team see that? Why didn't this team see that? Why didn't this? Well, maybe it wouldn't have been that. If they would have drafted him in the first place. 100%, Chris. I mean, like Jordan Poole, if you plug him into a different situation, what do you think he's doing? A lot of pick and roll, a lot of isolation. And maybe he's still putting up big time numbers. Maybe we're still talking about him, him as one of the better young players in the league. Or maybe we're talking about him as a shot chucker doing some of the same stuff he was doing at Michigan. Or maybe does he help your team? Is, is this good stats? You know, bad team player, right? Mm-hmm. Like it might be that type of thing with Poole. Whereas instead, there's no question with who he is and who he's becoming with the Golden State Warriors. I interviewed him uh, pretty recently for a thing. I don't know if we're running it 
today or this week, but we're doing something on pool on the ringer.com. And I asked him about exactly what you just brought up, Chris. I said to him, are you surprised at all? Or is there any, you know, shock that you're doing what you're doing now, considering there's so many young guys that don't get a lot of minutes, especially on teams with great players, Steph, you know, Clay ahead of you, Draymond with touches. And he, and he said, no, it's the opposite. I think I'm doing what I'm doing because of those guys, because I'm able to be around them every single day and learn from them and ask them questions and absorb what they do and mimic what they do. Like he's spun it around the opposite way with me, a different perspective, basically saying I've been able to benefit from being around this culture and this team rather than, you know, get buried from it. That's and right. like, I mean, granted, guys have been out to give him opportunity. He has also seized it completely. Like everybody you talk to says he's somebody who's kind of a sponge. He questions everything. He's trying to learn. And keeping that in mind, 22 years old, it is uh, scary to think about what he could be in three, four, five years as he continues to work. Because the stuff he's doing now, uh, that stems from what he was doing. His rookie year training, his earlier in a sophomore year training. So like the, this is really just the beginning for Jordan Poole. And he is he is who the Warriors needed to extend their contending into years to come. Because um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a buyer of Jordan Poole. This is as real as it gets. Well, and I thought, uh, you know, Let's, let's set aside Wiseman. The other two, Moody and Kaminga, look like those guys have very bright oh, yeah. futures themselves. 100%. Um, yeah, they, they got to keep those young guys. I, yeah. I, really, I really think so. I, because if you, can build, if you can get a young player contributing on that rookie deal when you have all these other big money players already, that, that's, like, that's how you win, and that's how you keep winning. No question. Hey, everybody, don't just watch the NBA playoffs action. Be a part of it with FanDuel, an official partner of the NBA. Right now, all new customers get a risk-free first bet up to $1,000. Just place any bet on the NBA playoffs, and if you don't win, you'll get up to 1000 bucks back in site credit. FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe and easy to use. You get your winnings fast. There's a lot of betting options, and there's same-game parlays. So if you're betting on the Warriors-Jazz game, you might go over on Jordan Poole points and under on Jazz total points scored. You could bet on futures, like you might want to bet on the Bucks repeating or maybe the Suns winning the NBA Finals. You can do that all on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook today using promo code MISMATCH and place your risk-free first bet for a chance to take home a dub on basketball's biggest stage. Remember to use promo code MISMATCH to use this offer. 21 plus and present in select states only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Illinois or Virginia? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text hope new York 467-369. In Tennessee, call redline one. 800-889-9789. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. Or in West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. That Utah-Dallas game, you know, look, I said I think Luka needs to play in six games in order for Dallas to win that series. <laughs> or only three? <laughs> they said he was not jumping yet. I know. I, he might, do you think they can win it without him if he doesn't I don't. play in game three? You still don't think I, so. I don't... I, I cannot imagine Utah will be so damn stubborn that they would just watch their own demise take place. I mean, 
Th- look, in, this... in Utah, too, because they're going back to Utah. Now. Yeah, I mean... Those games are in Dallas. And again, I'm going to quote Raja on this. Raja said, look, I don't think he's going to come back. He, because he's speaking from experience of having this. Yeah. He said, I, he said, if he's really got a calf strain, I had a calf strain. And he goes, and even if you come back, it's not Luca magic. Trust me on this. He said, I was out over a month before I felt right. You know, if it's legitimate, you know, if it's like, I mean, if it's, if it's the severity of which he had, I mean, it's, he said, no matter what they say. And he said, and I heard them say they didn't, that he's not jumping on it yet. I know what that's like. And so we'll keep an eye on that. Hopefully, and he's to, able to, the, to play. To that point, Kit, Jason Kidd had an interesting coach where he said, with that Luka injury, we've got to pay attention to history. Yeah. Like, they're not going to make a mistake that any teams may have made in the past rushing a guy back, and then they suffer another separate injury because the body's overcompensating for, you know, the fact that the calf um, isn't working it properly. Um. Mm-hmm. There's a guy playing for the new, uh, Brooklyn Nets yeah, right now. I know. You, that you don't was a calf. Exactly. You don't want to rush him back. That was a mm-hmm. calf with the Durant, and next exactly. thing you know, it blows out his Achilles. Exactly. You got to be cautious. Like Luca. Like there's a lot more years of contention with Luca to come, and, and you don't want to rush him back and potentially compromise. And by the all way, Durant looked amazing yes. before he blew out the Achilles. Yep. Right. Gotta be, you got to be careful. Yep, got to be very careful. Have to Anyways, be. The thing is, though, is if they can get him back, Chris, at any point this series, like, the Jazz are screwed. If, if, they, they're, able, if they're able to get him back and he's looking like Luka. Like, well, it's, you it's asked me at the beginning of the season about, you know, what could the Jazz do to make you a believer, to make you a contender? And I said, address the small ball issue. Nothing. There is a small ball issue that they have. And I don't want to turn this into a playing Gobert off the court. This is what you have to decide. You have to decide that he's going to guard the guy in the corner. End of story. Well, you we got to get spent, you got to get him help. It's the same. You don't have to get him help. Help. This is yes, not man. about everybody else. I went back and watched every three they made. Every three. It's like watching Terrence Mann all over again. We've spent mm-hmm. the last five to ten years of basketball convincing everyone of the value of three over two. They have a defense that now three consecutive years, the other team says, okay, if you want to set your defense up to value two over three, we will make you pay for it. And they have a defense that values two over three. If every guard gets beat off the dribble for an open layup, it's not as bad. If you just swapped out five of those wide open ass threes for twos, it's a different world. I, I like I watched the I went back and watched the Jamal Murray series. I went and watched the shots that were made in that Clippers series. And I went back and watched all the threes that were made last night with Gobert on the court. Just to see, is it all drive and kick? And it's not all drive and kick. But if you're going to have a guy sitting in the corner and it's guys that are just, I mean, it's just shooting fish in a barrel. Because (laughs) otherwise, you're going to leave us. You could just take Gobert's man. And you can get one screen. Brunson did this three times last night. 
where the guy comes up that Gobert's guarding. He sets a screen. You come around the screen because you hang up the guy as long as you set a good screen. It's a wide open three. This is how Jamal Murray had 50 points in a game. Like, you got to do something about that. Either you got to bring the guy all the way up or you got to have him going over to the corner. I don't understand how, and it's the analytics people that love it the most. And it's like the defense values twos over threes. That's what I'm told. He has to be there in order to help because guys can't stay in front of guys. Well, if that's giving open uh, up a wide open three, how is that good? I don't understand. It's not good. It's terrible, and that's why they're tied 1-1 in the series, why they've lost those series in the past, and you're right. The, because nobody nobody on this team you know, can stop perimeter penetration. There were so many times last night, Mitchell, Conley, whoever it might have been, is just getting smoked at the point of attack on the perimeter. And then Gobert is in a position where, okay, if I help on the inside to prevent the layup, that means there's an open corner three. If I stay home in the corner three, it means this guy's getting a layup. There's no winning. Like, no, there's no, there's no, there's no good other help defender on this team. There's no great lockdown guy at the point of attack. Like, I tweeted this last night. Can you imagine if Rudy Gobert was paired with like Mikel Bridges, a it's great perimeter thing, guy? Though. But but can can you imagine if he had Al Horford as a help defender on the inside? They could do more of what the Boston Celtics are able to do with Horford and Robert Williams, or Horford and Daniel Tice. It's like, can you just imagine if there is that type of other player on this team? And with Gobert, you can make the argument. Well, I don't want to build around a, a rim protector that's making forty million dollars. I'll, I, you know, that's a fair conversation, and I think it's something the Jazz are going to have to ask themselves this offseason. It's something other teams that might want Gobert are going to have to ask themselves that then as well, because there are limitations to uh, what one lone player can do and the where their ability to impact defense. There are limitations because Gobert is great, and despite that, you're right about everything you said. He still can't stop this three versus two problem because he needs help. Your defense is only as great as your weakest link. And for Gobert, well, just, go, just go guard Maxi Kleba in the corner. Okay, but then there's a layup at the rim. Fine, because but your other if you gave up you gave up twos, if you gave up twos, you would have won the game. They gave up, <laughs> they gave up thirty fucking threes. I know, I know, but you but you can't allow layups. There's no that's no way to win either. Like you can do that if your guys are getting stops on the perimeter. They they don't have any perimeter rim protection. This is why Marcus Smart win Defensive Player of the Year. Because this year, voters decided, you know, Bridges and Smart, these perimeter guys, we're going to value perimeter defense. That's what the voters decided. But if you don't have that, they don't have any of that. So for this Utah team here, they are extremely prone to ball handlers, whether it's Luka, who's out now, or whether it's Jalen Brunson, or whether it's Spencer Didwitty, from getting to the basket and either finishing, drawing a foul, or kicking it out to a wide-open three-point shooter in the Jazz have no answers because their roster, to go back to that question I asked you at the beginning of the season, no, they did not do anything to prove that they can be different this year. They did not make any personnel changes at all. The roster's not playing any differently, which is why Mitchell is publicly saying, same thing, same as last year. Same he's thing. he's backing, backing off those comments, but please don't back off the comments, Mitchell. Get in front of that microphone and say it again because the front office needs to hear it. They need to hear it. Whenever the Jazz lose, whether it's this round, 
against Dallas without Luka, which would be an utter embarrassment, whether it's this round with Luka returning towards the back end or whether it's next round against the Warriors, you know, blowing the doors off you again and just absolutely crushing you. It doesn't matter when you lose. However they lose, when they do, they need to make a major change to this roster. I don't know if it's splitting up Gobert and Mitchell. I think one of them should be moved or you just totally change it and blow it up entirely. They have to make dramatic personnel changes to this roster to have any chance of surviving the modern Western Conference. I think with the way that these coaches have done it, because look, they clearly the Clippers did it with an inferior roster. Dallas did it with an inferior roster last night, you know, and so it's a stylistic thing. It's a way that they played and. Again, we saw Denver do it before, the year before. Um, and if you're not, if if I can just screen the guard, and it's it's Reggie Jackson, it's Jalen Brunson, it's Terrence Mann, it's Jamal Murray, over and over again. It makes it very difficult to play, you know, a center just as a rim protector when the other teams can throw out five guys and to not acknowledge that after it's gotten you beat two years in a row, it's gotten beat same way. Now, again, I well, think they can well, win this. Even, uh, look, the Mavs well, one thing, one thing, Chris, before, made before you... every three last night, Maxi Kleba, do you know what he had shot since the all-star break from three? Like 17%? Yeah, 18.8. <laughs> wow, it was really 18.8? Oh, I was close. 18.8. Wow. I, just so, threw out, I just threw out a low number because I, I knew mean, it was bad. I think if you're Quinn Snyder, you probably, and I, I mean, I think he would win this argument. If we were out getting beers and he's like, bro, a guy that shot 19% for the last several months shot 95% against us. Okay, sorry. You know, like, I wasn't counting on that. Like, fair, fair, right? It's not like Terrence Mann's been a dead-eye three-point shooter either. You're but right. But they're open. It, it, you're right. And 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 I, I, you said something in there I, I want. I don't want us to forget, Chris. You, you said about uh, with the Jazz here, you're doing this one thing, playing rim protection. You can't just win, like, with playing Gobert the way you have. They play drop coverage, you know, because... Gobert is one of the best rim protectors ever. And because the other guys on this team aren't quality help defenders, so they have to keep him there. Like, it's just the way they have to play. But with the Jazz, I had a conversation with somebody recently about this in, in, in like around the league, and they brought up a point that touches on yours here, Chris. They said the Jazz have tried to build their team around Gobert on defense the way most teams try to build their offenses. Like, it's around Luka on Dallas. It's around Harden in Houston. It's around this one star who makes everybody else better. The Jazz defense is built in that way around Gobert. Gobert makes everybody else better. They've been this top three, top two, number one defense for years now. This year, the only reason they're number 10 is because of him. Like, they'd be in the dumpster if it weren't for Gobert. He, the, the, their logic is, is similar to how offenses are built except we're seeing the limitations of that. You can go far. You can go to a game seven against the Warriors with Harden and Chris Paul together. You, you, can't, you can't go to a, uh, that deep in this, this year's postseason anymore unless Gobert is getting some help. Like If they had gotten Jeremy Grant, that's not going to be the solve for them, but it sure would have helped. Like this, I this think team, you, I, this team, I, I, look, he needs I get help. It, you can't deal help. with one guy. He can, all right. You also can't play that way. That would be my argument. 
You can't. You, I think the way you have to play nowadays is you can't play one way. They play one way at a really, really high level. But in today's NBA, you got to be able to switch. You got to be able to play drop. You got to be able to play with your rim protector on the weak side help position like Robert Williams in Boston. I'm going to continue going back to that example because a lot of teams are doing it. You got to be able to play with just that center on the court uh, with other floor spacers out there. The, the, the Jazz play one way at the best level possible with drop coverage defense. But when, I mean, they do, see, when, they, when they have to do anything else, so they just don't have the personnel for it. Was it was basically... It sucks. They, well, no, but it's basically like it was a replay of that Clippers game. Yes, because they haven't changed the roster. But, but it still does not solve the problem of a guy standing in the corner alone because Rudy Gobert's under the basket. Yeah, but uh, what I'm saying is because they haven't improved their perimeter defense. They don't have better stoppers, so he needs to help inside. But they how don't does have, that they change don't have, that? They don't have better in, uh, interior help besides him because when Gobert's pulled out to the perimeter, it's Boyan Bogdanovich protecting the rim and help side. Uh, and and again, I'll it, go it, back to what, why do all the analytics, why do we value two over three when it comes to Rudy Gobert, but in nothing else in life? I'm not, I'm not sure that's true. I, I we it, do. It's, it's a decision that the, the jazz defense is making saying, if you help inside, you're preventing a layup. If you, I, I you're looking at it from a, we're talking about it in two different ways. You're looking at it from a results standpoint. I'm looking at it like, well, why is that penetration happening in the first place? Yeah, like, I think we're both looking at it, you know, with the same result here. Like, why they have to make this choice with layup or corner three, but they have to make that choice because they haven't assembled the proper pieces around that defense that every other team, like if you look at every every team that's going to advance. It's not Suns, all the time, Warriors. though. It's not all open layups. Again, I went back and watched every three on the kickouts. There's not a lot every, of times not everyone. No, there's a, there's not. a lot of times where the defender is in good position, and it would have been but a penetration still happening though. A lot it of is. The time. Yeah, it it is. Can, can can we agree that their perimeter defense is lacking, and that Donovan Mitchell particularly needs to be better? You know, this is someone who watched him for 15 years. Conley's hurt. He doesn't look 100. percent No, does he? God, no, he looked no terrible. Way. I know he's hurt. Yeah, that's he not look- Mike Conley. I've watched Mike Conley play his whole career. Yep. He doesn't look 100%. <laughs> 100. And, 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 he doesn't yeah. look 50%. Yeah. He couldn't do dick on offense. Nothing. Yeah, I think I he ended with zero, didn't he? I think I he ended with so. zero yeah, points. I, I believe so. If it wasn't zero, it was close to zero. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let me let me pull up the numbers real quick. Ridiculous. Yeah, Con- Con- yeah Conley did end up 0 for 7. Uh, zero points, 0 for 7 in 20. I mean, come minutes. on. Yeah, even if you, you don't it, think Mike Conley's that good, even, even if you think I'm overrating him, that's not what okay, well. To, to your point, though, like he didn't look as good defensively either. When no, you don't have, when we, you don't have Conley playing competent defense, Mitchell right. not taking pride on defense, Jordan Clarkson is no stopper. You don't have any great point of attack defenders. Royce O'Neal is your best wing defender, and he's good, but not anything special. Bogdanovich on this team, Hernan Gomez, Daniel House. Like, there's some okay defenders, but you have Gobert. And then everybody else. Well, and here's a- the thing, every man. other best defense in the league, Chris. They have multiple guys. Well, uh, for and- Boston, the reason why they've been able to withstand the loss of Robert Williams is because they have Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum and Al Horford. Like they have so many guys. The Look, Miami I'm Heat have this. an endless list of great defensive players. And, and and the reason I don't want to beat up on them too much is because what we're going to see is they're going to end up winning this series if Luca can't come back. 
They are. See, I'm not convinced. Oh, I'm still on. not convinced about that. Bro. I'm, surp- I'm surprised. I'm very come surprised, on. Chris, that you haven't taken a stance that the Mavericks could beat the Jazz <laughs> without Luka because I feel like I'm the one who's making that argument. Last week, I was the one saying they could compete without him. Let me tell you something. I'm shocked that I'm the one on this side here. I'm the one who should be saying Rudy Gobert is going to lead him to victory. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You find me a playoff game. You find me a playoff game where a team shot 47% from three and lost. Come on, bro. 47. Like, they made everything. They made everything. And and it came down to the last two possessions. Now, if you want to tell me that they're going to be able to do that every time they play without Luka, then so be it. But that was extreme. I will not tell you that. I will not That's an outlier. That's an outlier. I mean... 47%? 47%? We'll see. Who shoots 47% from three? Terrence Mann. <laughs> Terrence Mann. Oh, God. <laughs> if they get beat by this friggin' Mavs team, oh, my God. Blow it up! In that case, Dude. huh? Right? Yeah, I think it'll be next round till we're talking about all the problems with the Jazz. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, unless Luka comes back. If Luka comes mm-hmm. back, then... They're going to be able to get it done. Or, or unless uh, Jalen Brunson uh, with uh, Kleba and then not Powell out there at the five is uh, continuing to shred teams. We'll see. Maybe so. Uh, Raptors-Sixers was the other game last night. Boy, that one looks like it's going quick. Oh, yeah, it does, doesn't it? I mean, look, yeah. I, hey, look, anybody can go back. When we were doing our playoff preview, you asked me about the Harden problem, and I said, it's not going to matter. I, I'm not worried about counting on Harden. Because you can count on Maxi. Now, he's been better than I ever imagined. But I love that kid. And he's just been, I mean, absolutely ridiculous. He has 61 points on 32 field goals. Now, keep in mind, Harden has 36 points on 26 field goals. Like, Maxi has been that dude for Philly. And obviously, they got an MB problem. Uh, too. They also have a problem of keeping the Sixers off the foul line. I mean, good grief. Last night, the Sixers go to the line 30 times. The Raptors go to the line 12 times. And very, very difficult uh, for them to match up uh, with this Sixers team. I, I thought, honestly, the score is 112-97. It was, it, it, it was worse than that. This was a blowout last yeah. night. And, yeah, uh, the, the Raptors had their late run to make it look a little bit less wor- uh less yeah. worse than uh, than it actually was. Like it was it was bad last night, especially with the guys that they had out. Um there I don't have a lot of hope for this Raptors team they, to beat win this series, not without Scotty Barnes especially. Um not without Gary, I mean Gary Trent plays 10 minutes last night, not without him at full strength, not without Thad Young at full strength. The Sixers team, the the fact they're doing this without Harden looking 100% either. He said his hamstring was fine before the series, but Maxi stepping up the way in which that he has, um, doing everything on the court. I love I love how Maxi creates the opportunities for himself. Like Harden is the they make that trade at the deadline with Harden. You you want Harden to be averaging 30, being the scorer that he could be, but at least he's providing the playmaking. Because he Maxi has a way of just creating chances for your point guard with his full sprints and transition, the relocations off ball, the cuts. 
the way he attacks the closeout so decisively off, off the catch. He, 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 him and Harden are such a good combination in that backcourt, aren't they? With Harden's creation and Maxie's finishing, they're fun to there's, watch. There's times where I watch too, and I'm like, man, I wouldn't give that dude two hundred million dollars. I oh, might have my second. I might have my second guy. Uh, and yeah. it's not the guy that I thought it was going to be. Well, I mean, if you, know you also, mean? if you're Toronto, you might want to start thinking about defending Maxi the way you're defending Harden. They're still mm. shading over a lot of help to Harden on his drives to the basket. No question. When he no is question. not proven. He is not proven at all that he can hit a heavily contested two-pointer right now. He just well, you to. just see the, you see, because uh, that, that Sixers team plays slow. And it's like, did you ever... Well, you're probably too, you, you, by the time you were a kid. And so when I was a little kid, we had what was called Nintendo, Kevin. I, I played, my first console was Nintendo it was. 64. Nintendo 64. Okay, so the And original, I didn't play a Nintendo. One of my neighbors used to have a Nintendo and I always wanted to go play. I forget so the, the name of the game. Original Nintendo, there was this game, one of my favorite games on there was a game called Ice Hockey, right? And basic ice hockey, you you picked your team, so you were like the United States. What was that game about? It uh, it was, <laughs> but here was the thing: it was these little cartoon characters, right? And you chose, you chose the fat guy, you chose the middle guy, or you chose the skinny guy. And the skinny guy was way fast, but his shot was slow. The middle guy was kind of average at everything. And then the fat guy would check everybody, and then you could hold down the button and he'd slap it real fast. So the trick was you want to go all fats and one skinny, right? So the, the skinny guy can fly around everywhere, and then you got the fat guys. That's how you build your team in ice hockey. And I'm saying that to tell you that's what the Sixers look like. It's like Embiid and Tobias and Harden, and then the one skinny in Maxi, and he is flying up and down the court. Everybody else is going slow. And this dude is flying around everywhere. It's like he's a better athlete than everybody on the – he is so friggin' fast. And he'll get the ball, and it's one-man transition. He just beats everybody down the floor. In fact, there's – I feel like I've watched multiple times where all four of his teammates never even cross half court by the time he's doing something on the other end. He's just a freak of nature, and uh, my goodness. So good. He is the skinny, the skinny with the fats. Anybody can go look that up, you young bucks out there. I, I did not play that game, but it makes total sense to me, Chris. Yeah. I love it. No, you're 100% right, though, with him. Everything moves slow, and then you just see him like <laughs> shooting rocket across the, the screen. Like, it's in game one. We saw the over the head bounce pass kind of, you know, from behind the half court line by Harden to Maxi just full-on sprinting towards the basket. It's it's plays like that that you're referring to where everything's yeah. moving slow, but then there's Maxi. It's like watching, like, freaking Tyreek Hill or something, yeah. right? You see, yeah, like, running, running a sprint down the little, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It's like, how are you that much faster than the other guy? There's not that much space for you to be that much faster. That guy is, wow, unbelievable. And, yeah, the Raptors, they are, uh, look, that was a team that was not uh, uh, depth. Very far down the list in terms of strengths for them. And when you're taking three of them out of it, because Gary Trent, I mean, he is like not forget shell of himself. I mean, that's basically an imposter at this point. Nine minutes, four fouls, nothing. Um, and then you're losing Barnes and losing Thad Young. I don't think they would have won the series with those guys, but 
you want to talk about a team that couldn't afford to lose anybody, it's them. Yeah. And I mean, they Th- basically lost three. Yeah, Thad Young became such an important player off their bench. Only eight minutes last night did not look like his total self in that game either. And just having, you know, losing him, you know, at full strength, losing trend at full strength, not having Barnes at all. What? Well, well, you don't have you don't have a shot. Yep. And, and it's too bad because this was a successful season for the Raptors, but but ultimately here for the Philadelphia 76ers, the priority at this point is you know get out with hard and healthy and maybe maybe he's able to to, to get closer to what he was before while everybody else is carrying the series because he's, he's doing everything he needs as a playmaker to the scoring the scoring just isn't there though wearing a men's warehouse outfit makes you confident like you could do anything so you dance like no one is watching even though everyone is watching because of the men's warehouse outfit you interview like the job is already yours because it is because of the men's warehouse outfit you golf as if the rules don't apply to you because you're too well dressed for rules because of the men's warehouse outfit at men's warehouse get measured get fitted get hot get confident in everything from tailored suits to underwear and all the stuff in between love the way you look at men's warehouse if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a big mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your mcdonald's bag as a placemat then that wasn't a road trip it was just a really long drive at participating mcdonald's when it's more than likely that they will feed into miami miami's up one nothing that's the first mm-hmm. game that's going on tonight uh against the hawks um turning on that game on sunday and watching it you know my first as you're watching that first half play out i was like welcome to hell trey young oh my goodness yeah i mean no lie it felt like they gave them eight different looks they were zoning they were like three two then they're two three then they're switching and i'm like they had multiple defenders try them out and i mean it was just it was like a guy trying to figure out, you know, some foreign language or something. <laughs> it, he just has no clue what it says. And it's like, and, and so, like, he's just going to have to go get a Rosetta Stone tonight and try to figure that thing out because he is, I mean, I don't know what you do. When that Rosetta Stone, yeah, that people still use like that. A, I, th- I think Duolingo is the popular one nowadays. I don't Rosetta care. Stone's so big. I'm just curious. Rosetta Stone's still around. around. Yeah, it's a throwback. Yeah, hey, so ages, <laughs> there's our age difference. Rosetta Stone is that not a thing anymore? I, th- I think it's got to still be a thing. It has to be huge still nowadays. Yeah, it's, that's that's, that's OG. an OG. Inst- yeah, it's an institution. Rosetta Stone. How can yeah. it not be? All these new apps trying to knock it off. So here's what I'll say. Uh, that looked to me like the veteran-laden basketball team that got their share of wins. There's no question throughout the season, um, despite some of their injuries. But it's like, okay, it's playoff time. It's time to lock in. And I tweeted this out. Man, when they are locked in, that is scary. Because we talk about deficiency on defense with some of these teams. I'm talking one through five. They're a problem. I mean, like, you look up and it's like, okay, I finally beat Kyle Lowry off the dribble without him taking a charge or something. Oh, shit, here's Bam Adebayo, or here's Jimmy Butler, or here's Mm -hmm. P.J. Tucker, or who, you know. Exactly. 
that when they get on a string, like you better have all manner of ways to figure things out because you're not going to survive with a one guy is the centerpiece and and now we're just going to play off of that because even if Trey responds and has big numbers, which I think it's going to be very difficult for him to do, um, you know, I, th- I thought that I thought that Heat team reminded people because I feel like they're about as disrespected as any of these teams. We talk about the Suns being awesome, but people people talk about the Sixers. They talk about the Celtics. They talk about up and down the line. The Brooklyn, that Miami team was the one that ended up with the best record, despite almost all of their major pieces missing more than 20 games. And when we saw them full strength all together on a defensive string, good luck. And who's at the center of it? Bam Adebayo. I yep. thought he had an Amazing. absolutely... Absolutely. And now he's pissed off because the defensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> good I mean, luck. I mean, for him, it, he was everywhere on the court. And one interesting stat from that game: uh, Trey Young ran thirty-four pick and rolls. The Heat switched on twenty-one of those, according to the Second Spectrum. And if you look statistically the whole year for Atlanta, what they've struggled at the most with Trey in the pick and roll is against the switch. And Miami's Miami's not going to stop because of all those names you listed. Whether it's Bam or Tucker or Butler or even Gabe Vincent for that matter. It doesn't matter who you're switching. You have a quality defender in that situation. And Bam, like everything we said about Draymond earlier applies to him. I mean, if you're if you're ranking him off pure talent, not not having Draymond and Bam and Defensive Player of the Year, which I didn't because of games played, Draymond in the 40s, Bam in the 50s. But if, if you eliminate games played and don't factor it in and ranking them based off prayer talent in the games they played, those guys would be number one and oh, number two I'm, this I, season. I, look, yeah. I, I got so excited last night just thinking about Sixers heat if it plays out. Like oh, that. that would be what a joy that would be oh. to watch Bam versus Embiid in that Sixers front court. Like him switching onto Harden. Amazing. Oh, my God. It would be. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be, be great amazing. basketball. Um, we might yeah, get it. I just, Pretty good chance we do. Yeah, I just don't think Atlanta has much of a chance in this thing, man. Um, no, I don't either. I really not, don't. Not they might much at all. they might win a game. You know, they you know game three is typically the one. Um, and Trey's Trey's obviously going to have better games than one for twelve. Of course he will. I, obviously, like he will. That goes without saying. But 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 he can't. They got and Bogdanovich drilled. zero for eight for that matter too. Like he'll be better. They were down by thirty. Mm-hmm. Trey Young's on the bench watching Skylar Mays play basketball. It's a playoffs. <laughs> game I'll be at. Yeah. Timberwolves, Grizzlies. How are you feeling? Obviously, are you, are you, the Grizzlies. Are you doing okay? I, look, I told you at the very beginning you, of this. You nailed that it. That is a, I, 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 anybody could go back. Never once throughout this entire season did I tell anybody anything different than the T-Wolves are dangerous. Mm-hmm. You've been saying this for a long time. But, and I, You're without 100% knowing right. that that was the matchup. Yep. It's just because of the individual talent. Now, I think I would have felt a lot worse about game one if I thought the Grizzlies played well. I thought they played terribly in that game. I mean, I've watched, obviously, every game. They played terrible basketball. I also think that that game was a weird game in the sense that 
there was absolutely no flow to that game. And that is where the Grizzlies would, would have the biggest problem. Teams that gave them the biggest problems were teams like Dallas, teams like Boston, that could that were more than happy to play, we run a play, you run a play basketball. And they don't have the individual. They do it as a collective, and they have an MO for how they do it. Offensive rebounding, creating turnovers, getting out on the break, all these things, pace and space. You know, this is where they're devastating. What they don't want to do is play a bunch of basketball off of dead balls. And Kevin, in game one, they play 48 minutes of basketball, right, in an NBA game. There were 70 free throws. Now, people could say, yeah, well, the Grizz took 43 of those. It doesn't matter they took 43 of them. It's not good for them. It's not good for them to be playing offense or defense off of dead balls. The games where there's not a flow to it, and what's weird about it is that Minnesota doesn't want to play that kind of basketball either. Now, they are better at it than the Grizzlies are, but that's not. They want to play flying up and down the court, too. They play small. And when you get into a game, there were 56 fouls called in 48 minutes in the playoffs. I went and looked at free throws for all these games leading up to theirs in terms of game ones. Almost every game was in the mid mid to low 40s in free throws. Every other game. And yet, you had the Celtics and the Nets, which I watched. That was as physical as a basketball game as you can watch. Right? It was beautiful, wasn't it? And, and it, it was, was amazing. Yeah, it was great. There's 48 free throws in that game. 24 for each side, right? In the Grizzlies-T-Wolves game, there were 70. And it doesn't matter that Memphis went to the line board. That it affects the entire game. Now you're playing dead ball basketball. And they want to play in the flow. You can never get on a run. And honestly, from beginning to end, despite that, from beginning to end, Minnesota was better than them. All day. They got to every they were the they were the team that made more shots. They were the team that hustled more. They were the team that created matchup problems. On and on. I do think that I, I would be shocked if the Grizzlies do not respond. Um, in game two, you know, we just played an entire basketball season. They proved who they were over the course of winning 56 games throughout the year. Um, but there were a lot of things that made them successful that just either didn't happen or weren't able to happen be- just because of the way that game was. Um, Edwards, I think what you're going to see is you got to do something with them. They used Dylan Brooks on Russell because Russell had destroyed them throughout the season. And so uh, I think what you're going to see, and I don't know, we'll see if he can hold up against Edwards, but it's certainly got a better chance than some of the other smaller guys. I think you're going to see more attention paid to Edwards and because he's the gamer, he's the alpha, you know, and and I think you just, you live with the results. If Russell and Towns beat you, then Russell and Towns beat you. But you can't let Edwards, because he will go for 35 every damn game if you play him like they did in game one. So I think that's probably one of the big adjustments is trying to make life hell on Edwards more so 
But my God, is he unbelievable. Yeah, he's oh, something else. God. Yeah. I mean, look, you can talk, I can talk about defense on him all you want. If that son of a bitch is going to hit 28-foot step backs in people's faces, then <laughs> you just dip your cap, you know? He's special. Well, what do you think about, so uh, with Memphis, they had Steven Adams on Carl Anthony Towns for the most part, and it was a mixed bag. Towns got to the basket quite a bit. I, I, don't, think, I don't think Adams was awful by any means. He wasn't. Um, yeah, but he but, does but, render him ineffective. Yeah, he does. Yeah, t- and Towns also taking him out of the paint, bringing him to the perimeter hurts too. Is there, we have Jackson with five fouls in 24 minutes. You can't have him in foul trouble. The, well, what is the, what is the, the solution for Memphis against Carl Anthony Towns matchup wise? Uh, we're about to have the same discussion that we just had about where I said, it stands out to me about these big centers and how hard it gets. When another team can play small, Adams the same way. Adams the best offensive rebounder in the world. By the way, you know it's not I mean? small though. Towns is big, so it's like you're right. playing with playing with perimeter skills. But he skills. plays yeah. small. Yeah, he plays, he like, plays a small. like a smaller guy. They're yes. playing. They're playing with length and, and versatility. You're and not seeing him skill. post up Stephen Adams. You're seeing no, him take yeah. Stephen Adams off the dribble. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, look. And so there again, the the Grizzlies were the best offensive rebounding team in in the league. My, likewise, what would you think Minnesota would be? You thought they would be deficient in, in defensive rebounding, which they are. They're 28. That should have been a big advantage. Except the Grizzlies lost offensive rebounding and second chance points in this game, in game one. Right? That should be a big advantage for them. And so it's like, if you're not going to use, if Adams, much like Gobert, and much like Jokic in the sense of down low, if they're not going to be offensively used, and defensively, they're getting pulled all the way from the basket. We got a problem on our hands, right? And so the answer is Jaron Jackson, you know. But then like does he, he fall has, out if he's defending Towns all game? He has to stay out of foul trouble. End of story. So it's time to grow up then for Jackson. Yeah. Like this, this is the moment There's where, no you, you know, it. you can't be fouling. Well, and the other thing is this. If you watch Jaron Jackson, two or three of those were offensive fouls. Yeah. I mean, that, that you can't use your fouls like that. He had seven blocks in 16 minutes. And then Unbelievable. He, then yeah. they had to sit him out because he had five fouls. Okay? So he played the last eight minutes of the game and had no more blocks because that's the big problem. He, he ended up with 24 minutes. Those last eight minutes are whatever because he's not the same guy. He's playing like a guy with five fouls. Right? Because And he's got two of these that were like charges. Or like off a screen or something. And it's like you got he can't he can't be saddled up with three and four fouls. He's just got to be able to play without fouling. And he does create a big problem also because because Clark, who was great in game one, he's been great against them all season. He's a problem for them because they don't really have an athlete to deal with him. You know, when they go with that front court, but the Grizzlies couldn't get to that front court much because of Jackson's foul problems. And so I think that's the big, you know, what do you have to do? I think that's a big part of it, you know, is Jackson's going to be essential. If he's not going to be able to be on the court, they got a big problem on their hands. Yeah, they got to get Jackson, like, to be a 35-plus minute-per-game guy. And they have to, because if if you have Jackson at that level, 
you're getting more stops. And if you're getting more stops, you're getting more either early offense or straight up transition opportunities. And you said it earlier, Memphis wants to play fast. They have one of the best transition offenses in all of basketball. They're 20th in scoring efficiency in the half court in the regular season, 20th. You can't, the playoffs is where things slow down and you have to thrive in the half court. So they do need to be better defensively to get those transition chances, but also they got to find themselves in the half court too. And this is is a series for that. That first game was extreme. Nobody wants to watch that shit. 70 free throws. Yeah, too many. When, don't I mean, you wish it was more and consistent game-to-game? The game? Look, I'm telling you, this was not a more physical game than the Celtics and the Nets. No, it wasn't. And everybody loved watching Celtics-Nets. It was a thing of beauty to watch. Celtics it was a Nets. thing of beauty. It was it was gorgeous basketball. Who wants to I watch 70 free throws? I don't care who's taking them. It's just terrible. It, there's no flow to the game. None. None. There weren't five consecutive possessions played. Without a whistle. Just, and it, by the way, the damn game took over three hours. Nobody wants to watch that shit either. I could have left and watched Dances with Wolves and come back. Game, watch the last two minutes of the game. It's ridiculous. Uh, the other one is Suns Pelicans tonight. Dude. <laughs> I was laughing my ass off. Logan Burdock is covering this series. He's down. In Phoenix. Oh, yes, really. He said on the Jumbotron, he was like, I, now, this does not show that much Hell respect yeah. for opponent, um, I don't think. But he said at the Jumbotron, they were like, hey, Suns fans, this is Jay Crowder, and join me at Oasis tomorrow for a pool party or whatever. It's like, what the hell? Everybody's like throwing pool parties <laughs> in the middle of the playoffs. <laughs> I was like, yo, that is out of bounds. So I don't know how worried the Suns are with the Pels in this one. If they're throwing pool parties that they're promoting on the Jumbotron in the middle of the series. Oh, yeah, it and- says he's their new brand ambassador. <laughs> I just looked it up. To- it's why- ridiculous. Why- <laughs> It's fu- it's funny that the press release on, on gamblingnews.com is like <laughs> they just keep referring to him as the boss man. Yeah, that's his nickname. <laughs> well, you know, he only boss man. both both on both on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Everything is all caps. Oh, yeah. All Always. caps. Yeah, that's that's boss man style. Yeah. All caps. No yeah. matter what. Had a quadruple single. In game one, you, you could just uh, you an could, impossible stat line. You know what Jay Crowder should do? He should release his own own font, mm. just called Boss Man Style font. Yeah, all capital right. letters only. Yes, he makes he, some money um, off that. So anyway, aside from Boss Man's pool party, um, <laughs> I don't think that the Suns are going to have all that many problems with Pelicans. Uh, Much like we were talking about the Heat, the Welcome to Hell thing, holding that team. That Pelicans team with McCollum and Ingram and Valanciunas holding that team to 34 points in a half. And if it weren't for a late run, they would have held them under 30 for the half. That was insane to me. I don't care how well you play. Holding that team to less than 35 points in a half is ridiculous. Ridiculous. And obviously, Paul just took over the game like it was 2004. <laughs> it's crazy. 
Yeah. How awesome he is. Paul, Chris Paul doing what he does at his age is, uh, I don't know. I just feel thankful to watch, to be honest with you, Chris. Like, there's so many things in life that change from yep. when you're a kid. But Chris Paul, you know, <laughs> you say 04, he's still at Wake Forest. Oh, he is? Uh, yeah. What year did he come in? <laughs> oh, 05. Oh, okay. 05, he was the number four pick. But, he's pretty awesome yeah, at Wake Forest, yeah. too. Yeah, he was. But some, thing, some things don't change. And Chris Paul continuing to dominate is one of those things from my youth where, you know, can still tune into a basketball game and still watch him doing it. Um, with, this, with this team, I thought Aiton. Aiton was the guy who really stood out to me in that game one performance. And I know matchup data is, you know, a little fuzzy sometimes, but when he was when he was the closest defender to Valanchunas, he was 4 for 14. When he was the closest to Brandon Ingram, Ingram was 1 for 6. When he was up against CJ McCollum, McCollum was 0 for 7. I thought Aiton played an unbelievable, energetic game. He outperformed Jonas Valanciunas, who's a very good center, totally outclassed him, showed what he can be, Aiton did. Uh, I think with Phoenix here, man, like we talked about Golden State earlier, showing that they can level up. I mean, Phoenix is showing what they've done the whole year, but even to a greater extent when you get Aiton playing to you know up to 11, up to 12 in terms of his intensity and focus levels. Uh, we might be on a collision course for a Western Conference Finals between the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors uh, that could go down as an epic. We could be on that path. Maybe. Maybe not. If Memphis no. could figure it out. Go, <laughs> or go, Minnesota. There's no question. Though, look, if we're being fair, those teams have looked the best so far. Yeah, they have. They have. Yeah, they've looked the best so far in, in the very limited, uh, in one, one game, two games in the case of Golden State. Uh, all right, so that's going on tonight. Those are tonight. Wolves, Grizz, Heat, Hawks, Suns, Pels. Two other to just touch on. That net Celtics game, I saw where it got a crazy audience, which I am unsurprised by because I don't know how. I mean, God forgive you if you were not watching this game. That was one of the most entertaining basketball games of the entire year. Just two, like, perfectly matched teams for that moment. Crowd going at Kyrie, Kyrie flipping them off, Kyrie going absolutely nuclear after it looked like Boston had kind of taken control of the game. Brooklyn comes storming back. They're beating the shit out of Durant the whole game, making him see two guys, making him see three guys, closing off all his airspace. So he's struggling, but on the other hand, Kyrie's going nutso. And then... The way the end of that game played out and the Celtics, both on defense and offense, just absolute masterpiece possessions when it Mm -hmm. mattered most on both ends, on both ends. And it made for one of the, I mean, one of the greatest endings you'll ever see in a basketball game. Yeah, so that that was something else, especially like you said, that, that started on defense. They send yep. Hor- Horford, Horford with the double team, him and Marcus Smart just like running around chasing Kyrie everywhere on the court. Oh, and how badly <laughs> did he want that? Yeah, I know. I oh, he know. wanted that. He, he, he wanted won. to. He wanted to <laughs> stick an ice pick in them so bad. <laughs> but then, but then you kick it out to Kevin Durant. Oh. And Tate, Tatum has a block on Durant earlier in the game, playing great defense all game long against KD. And then in the final, final 20 seconds, sticks to him, mirrors every movement, gets a strong contest in the three-pointer. And then, though, like you said, one of the best endings you can see because there's no timeout. 
Yep. Nothing splitting it up. They just bring it up the court and have the play that they did with Marcus Smart, pump fake, drive, finding Tatum. I don't know, dude. It was a that that's ba- that's beautiful basketball. It really yeah, is right. just on both ends of the court. All right. If I were doing the whole like we're gonna sit here and Kevin, you have not watched this game yet, but I'm gonna show you the way it plays out. And you see the Marcus Smart pump fake and the first dribble. And I pressed pause and I said, what's he doing? I mean, there's not an amount of money in every person's bank account that we would not put on. He's shooting that shit. <laughs> he got two guys in the air. He's going to take yeah. one dribble in and now he's wide open. This is smart uh, game winner time, right? And it's going to be a make or miss. The presence of mind to find Tatum, who then has the presence of mind to spin perfectly and lay it in. I mean, like, literally everything about the play was freaking perfect. Everything. Except, and I love Mike Breen, but my God, that was... He missed the call. Oh, and it's an all-timer. I know. I'm sure he feels it more than anybody else. Oh. Yeah. Oh, because it ruined it. Not, Not only was it not the excitement that the moment called for. He ruined it because I really thought, holy shit, they just lost? Wait till they find out. I was led to believe that it was at, he's like, it's waved off. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Because I wasn't paying attention to the red light. To to botch it so bad where you might, where you've led the (laughs) viewer to believe the other team won the game. I was like, no. What a buzzkill. I feel so bad for him because I know he'd give anything to have that yeah, back. Yeah, he, he, he's a pro. Mike Breen is a pro, and he'll have more chances to, to get it right. Yeah. He will. There's going to yeah. be more, more great endings like that down the stretch. And it is too bad, though, because that, I mean, it being the first game especially, if this, whether that's the peak of the Celtics playoff run or if, it, if it's the beginning of a storybook ending this season, uh, it's unfortunate that I called that didn't get it right. But hey, uh, no, but, for, 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 uh, any, for any Celtics fan, you can grab you know the Sean Grandy radio call right. if you want to for uh, you know your highlight reels. And that's your hometown guy, Eddie. Of course, yeah. Mike Breen's a pro. He'll he'll get it right soon. He'll bounce uh, back. Other one, Bucks Bulls. I I was shocked by Game One. A lot I closer really than you thought anticipated. the Bulls had a chance. I thought the Bulls had a real chance to win that game, and. Just vomited all over themselves. It was ridiculous. I mean, that that's one way to put it. <laughs> and it's pretty accurate. They did. When they you had have, a chance. They, they had a De- real chance. DeMar DeRozan De- missed every shot he took. I swear six, to God. Six of 25. Six of 19 for Levine. Nine of 27 for Vooch. And uh, Caruso made every winning play down the stretch. They're, they're getting beat by Brooke Lopez. You know, like... All the big plays felt like they were Brook Lopez. It's like, okay, I'll I'll live and die with that rather than it being Giannis or Middleton or Holiday. Like, if, if Brook Lopez is going to beat me. So it's like, all right. And Brook Lopez, in fact, did beat him. Give credit to him. But I live with that. If we're sorting through the options of who I want with the ball, I'd much rather it be Brook Lopez than the other three. And so, and then on the other end, like, they're down three with like whatever it was, 30 seconds left to go. You got some contingent of people out there like Levine hits those, whatever. It's a bad shot. You've got a chance to go get a two. 
You're taking a contested three, like kind of off balance. Not a good look. And you don't have to have a three there. You know, you can either, and then they foul, which they don't have to foul. If you want to convince me, hey, they're going two for one. Fine. Fine. You're going two for one. Great. Then what the hell are you fouling for? Yeah, what the heck did they file for there? Do we ever get an answer from Billy Donovan? Because there was like four seconds of a differential. Well, yeah, what are we doing here? Are we going two for one? Is that the reason? Yeah, it was very strange. Did you take the goofy ass shot? Because otherwise, this doesn't make it. And then they go and make the free throw. So now they're down five. They come down. DeRozan takes a damn two. (laughs) It's literally the only thing you can't do. I'm like, what are these goofy bastards doing? They have a chance to steal game one. And they just, like, it couldn't get out of their own way. It was bizarre. I thought it was all very uh, uh, poorly handled by Billy Donovan, who Ugh. coached a good year. He didn't challenge a number of calls in the second half as well uh, that perhaps could have uh, played out in their favor had he challenged the the the, the call by Levine to take that decision, then fouling with the differential on the shot clock, uh, among other decisions. Polling, I believe it was Caruso at one point. Oh, for uh, like mid- Kobe. Yeah, exactly. When for Caruso what? was crushing. Exactly. It was and also, very by the way, it's like timing. five minutes left to go in the game or whatever. Yeah. It's the last five minutes of the game. This guy has literally made every play for the last four minutes and dragged you back into the game. And then, oh, no, that's enough. I've had enough. It's just a lot of strange calls in in that game one by Donovan and the coaching staff there. And, I mean, you give that one up, like you said, you had a chance. I I don't like their chances uh, of getting another one or two. But I told you, I was surprised. Like, despite the way they ended that game, they were right there, man. And I certainly didn't expect that. So do you think that they have a chance to, to pull out some wins in the series? Some wins, no. I'll, I'll win. win. A, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll win. Uh, okay, I'll win. I'll no. win. No. I'll win. I'll win. I can see that. Yeah, okay. I can see them winning a game. I maybe yeah, game, a game three. That's usually the one. Even if it's a bomb out series, if you're going to win a game, you win that first home game. Right? Yeah. You don't, I mean, game three, That's that's the one. A lot of teams win, even if they, even if they're going to lose the series. Oh. But yeah, they had a real chance to steal Game One, and then it would have been fun, you know, because then the Bucks have to beat them four out of the next six, which of mm-hmm. course they would have, but it still would have been fun to see a little pressure on them. You know, you just let them off the hook completely. These playoffs, and I'm not trying to use hyperbole here, be prisoner of the moment. I have been wildly entertained so far. Me too. Me too. It's been much. great. Yeah. Really? Like, yep. there's a couple of these bogus games, but like, Raptor Sixers got stupid last night. I was just able, I flipped over to Mavs Jazz. Like, I don't have to watch it anymore, right? Like, there's so many games every night that I don't, I'm not even forced to watch the crappy ones, it feels like. Well, I could just skip past them, and most of them have been good. Yeah, we we've gotten we've gotten a great opening weekend. The play-in was great. First weekend of the NBA playoffs is great. It's a higher level of basketball, man. It is. I I hope I hope we get more games in terms of aesthetics. Yep. Like that Celtics Nets one. Like you Me said, the way the, the the way it was officiated that that that's just the spot. That's right. Right there. 
Yeah. Let it be physical. Um, and let the players decide the game. Yeah. Sure. That's what people want to see. Uh, more basketball and less stoppages. Uh, it's going to do it for our show today. Uh, I do want to remind everybody throughout the playoffs, uh, at least for the upcoming few shows, we are going to be putting out a show on Thursdays. So we'll be Tuesday, Thursday, give you a little more time before the weekend. And uh, thank you to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. Kevo, I will talk to you on Thursday. Looking forward to have a good one, everybody. Everybody.